Welcome to today. I'd like to start with what is considered to be the oldest prayer outside of the Bible. It was written by a man called St. Clement of Rome, and it said that he was consecrated the Bishop of Rome by St. Peter himself. This is uh, quite a long prayer, and so this is just a portion of that prayer. You alone watch over the interests of spiritual beings. You are the God of all flesh. You gaze into the depths. You watch what men are doing. You are our help in danger. You save the despairing. Creator and keeper of all that is spiritual. You give increase to the peoples of earth. And from them all you choose us out of the love you have. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, your dear Son, who brought us instruction, holiness and honour. We beg you, Lord, to help us and defend us, to deliver us from those who oppress us. Pity those who are insignificant, raise the fallen, show yourself to the needy, heal the sick, and bring back those of your people who have gone astray. We pray, Lord, that you will feed the hungry, lift up those who are weak, take over, take off the prisoners' chains. May every nation come to know that you alone are God, that Jesus Christ is your child, and that we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. You've shown by what you have made and have done that the world was planned for the whole of eternity. And all the earth is your creation, Lord, yours that are true to every generation, <clears throat> just when you judge. Your strength and splendour are marvel, such competence yours in creating, such skill in setting firm the things you made, your goodness apparent in this world to see. You are loyal to those who trust you, merciful, compassionate. Forgive us our sins, our injustices, our falls and our jarring deeds. Amen. Our service today is going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3 in your Bibles there. And if you were to summarise what it means to be a Christian in very simple words... You could do it quite simply with these words from Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And Jesus said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and that this is the great and the first commandment, and the second is like it, that you should love your neighbour as yourself. Now when Jesus in Luke 11 was asked, Who is my neighbour? His response was to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, when we turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter unpacks this whole thing of what does it really mean to love your neighbour? What does it mean in terms of how we should treat each other? And it's interesting, he starts with the most intimate of relationships, that of a husband and a wife. And the first part he looks for in the beginning is uh, that of the wife. And so the first part of court authority. So there in first verse, in the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Now, as I went through different Bibles, some said authority, some said subject, some said submit. Some others would, uh, in the Bible said you must put your husband first. Now, in the present context, Peter here appears to be giving us the uh, previous call of submission. And submission is something that turns up a lot in the book of 1 Peter. So we see there in 1 Peter chapter, three, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 13, that all Christians should submit to governing authorities. In 1 Peter 2 verse 18, that slaves should submit to their masters as Christ gave them his perfect example of being willing and of complete submission. So the question we're going to ask ourselves, 
What did it mean for Jesus to submit? If he is the Son of God, what did it mean for him to be subject, to serve, and to submit? And we get part of that idea when we turn back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. It says there, for, for, uh, for to do this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving us an example, so that you may follow in his steps. Now Jesus had said he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And when he reviled, he did not return revile. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He trusted God in his Father. In verse 24, it goes on, So he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we may die to sin and now live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. You who were strayed like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Now, Peter says in the same way that wives are to submit to their husbands. Now, submitting is to do with service and nothing to do with inferiority. The word has primarily the idea of giving up one's own right or giving up one's own will to ensure the order happens in the universe rather than chaos. So as I read through different commentaries, here are some of the comments I picked out of them. It's a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, and assuming responsibility and carrying others' burdens. One of the good ones is it's voluntarily being selflessness. selflessness. So there's four things. Number one, it's an attitude of entrusting oneself to God, that God is in control of all things. Secondly, submission requires a respectful behaviour. Thirdly, submission involves the development of a godly character. And fourthly, submission includes doing what is right. So submission is not out of fear, but submission should come out of perfect love. Now, Christ himself is our perfect example, one that submits. So for women, this does not come naturally. But submission doesn't come naturally to men or anyone. Why? Because we are sinful by nature, since Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. But submission is also not demanded just of wives, but of every single Christian. So we turn over to the book of Ephesians there in chapter 5, verse 21. It says, submit to one another. And then it says, why? Out of reverence for Christ. So part of our Christian life is one of serving, one of submitting, one of being selfless, and one of putting other people first in all situations. It then goes on to talk about submission as that of a godly example. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. So part of our submission and service is out of love and a desire to reflect Christ to other people. Now, it's also very interesting. If you go back to the New Testament times, it was very, very rare for any woman to ever swap the religion she had to be different from her husband. That would be an unthinkable thing to do. Now, in Greek civilization, it's interesting, the duty of a woman was to remain indoors, to be obedient to her husband, and it was a sign of a good woman that she must be seen as little as possible, heard as little as possible, and asked questions as little as possible. And she had no kind of independent existence, and no kind of mind of her own. She was basically uh, the servant of her husband. 
and uh, the husband and wife has never in Greek and uh, Greek theology, uh, uh, philosophy ever seen to be the equal of her husband. So there's a real sense that submission, although it's difficult, is one that shows the depth of character. Now the second thing is it talks about the inward versus the outward life. Now for uh, women in all generations, it's easy to be caught up in fashion. And sadly for some women, it's an obsession that they have. So there in verse 3, do not be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewellery, or beautiful clothes. And then it goes to say, what is the clothing for a Christian? You should clothe yourself instead of with beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And that is so precious to God. He goes on to say, this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God, accepted the authority of their husbands. And then it gives us the example of Sarah. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right, without fear of what your husband might do. Now, this is never an easy thing for anybody to do, to serve. But the next thing is we need to tie it to how husbands are to react. So we turn now to husbands. Now, in every sphere of ancient civilization, women had no rights. Under Jewish law, a woman uh, was a thing that was owned by her husband, in exactly the same way that he owned his sheep or he owned his goats. And no account could she ever leave him, although she, uh, he could miss, miss her and divorce her at a moment's notice. Now, submission to be the woman of a husband is uh, what the Bible says, but it doesn't say that women are submissive to all men. So the talk about submission here is a husband and wife relationship. And we need to be careful that women are to be seen as our equals. They are different to us, but they are not inferior. Now see, no indication anywhere in Scripture that women are to be submissive to the leadership of men in general. So when we turn to husbands, what does it say there in verse 7? In the same way, your husbands must give honour to their wives. A deep sense of respect and value for the wife that they have. Now we tie this into Ephesians 5.25 where it says, Husbands, love your wives. and gives us a high calling because it says to love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for the church for her. So what words do we use for this? Words like honour, love, respect need to be the central focus of a husband. So there's a twofold thing. Yes, wives are in submission to a husband, but the husband is to be sacrificial in his love, honour and respect for his wife. They need to treat their wife as precious, as a gift from God, to be treasured, reassured, protected and loved with every tender provision that was there in their heart. It goes on, is my second heading for this, is to treat their wives fairly. It says, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner. So submission is not about equality or inequality. Because a husband and wife are both equal to each other, supporting each other and equal partners. So this is a foreign concept in the non-Christian world. That a wife was equal, a wife is a partner, that you do things together, that the wise husband listens to his wife 
and will often seek her wisdom and uh, will regularly be willing to do things her way rather than his way because he can see the wisdom of what she said. It then goes on to describe wives. It says, In God's gift of new life, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. There's some sense that our spiritual lives is tied very closely to how husbands treat their wives. We need to be sacrificial in all situations as a husband. So we've seen husbands, we've seen wives. He then goes to the deeper idea of how do you love your neighbour in terms of all believers. So he turns in the next section in verse 8 uh, that we should have one mind, that we should be uh, one in uh, our soul and a desire to serve. So it says in uh, chapter 3 verse 8, sympathise with each other. Now sympathy is feeling what others feel. So you can respond with sensitivity to their needs. It's the picture of suffering with another by entertaining into and sharing their feelings rather than simply having compassion on them from a distance. It's the sense of giving them a hug when times go hard. The next part of the verse says that we should love each other as brothers and sisters. So it's maintaining that family theme that it sees we as a church, that we are brothers and sisters. We are of one soul, of one blood. And that same idea is also caught up in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, Be kind to other, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. The fourth thing it draws out for us is to keep an humble attitude. Now, humility in the ancient world was uh, considered to be a vice. It was actually considered a weakness by the pagan moralists. As soon as in Christ and Christianity elevated humility to be a supreme virtue. So in our modern society, we would see that humility has been a great asset for a person to have. Now, the antidote for self-love is that self-love is what poisons relationships. So humility is not thinking poorly of oneself. Rather, it's to give high and proper esteem to the will of God and to other people. The person with humility thinks of others first and not himself. We're called to sympathise with each other, love one another, be tender-hearted, have a humble attitude. And these are all mindsets more than actions. So there's a true sense that where do we start being a Christian? Inside our head. It's inside our head or our soul that we start thinking, how do I love God? How do I love other people? Now, if you're praying that God will teach you to love, uh, there's a sense that we need to be praying that and asking God to be uh, people who are holy and that our holiness and love will overflow into our actions from our head. The fifth thing it says is don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults. When people insult you, instead pay them back with a blessing. That is what God is calling you to do and he will grant you his blessing. How can you bless someone who curses you? It is hard. It is not an easy thing to do. But why do we do it? Because the Bible prescribes that we are people of blessing. And even though there are times you want to bite your tongue and bite your lip, you are called to love even those who are quite unlovely. Then in verse 6 it says, For the scripture says, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from evil, uh, speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Very, very strong words. Then verse 7, turn away from evil and do good. 
And the eighth thing is search for peace and work to maintain it. And it's interesting, as we as Christians, when there's a, the thought of war, our first passion should be that of peace. Because it says, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his faith against those who do evil. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threat threats. So yes, there are times that we will go through conflicts. And there are times that some people will be incredibly horrible to us. And we need to pray, God, make me loving in these situations. And may my loving attitude change their brash attitudes towards me. So our fourth area of uh, these scriptures is to look at your faith. It says there in chapter 3, verse 15, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of all your life. So Christ needs to be the centre of all we do. And if someone asks you about your hope, as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Now, it's easy to talk in such a way. And it's easy to say, I want to win the argument. But I actually think Jesus is saying to us, we need to win the soul. And that is more important than the argument. It's interesting, I love chatting with people about what they believe, son. And I've regularly found, if I say to a person, you know, what, is, what's, what does your religion teach? What's your, your worldview? What's your religion or your beliefs? And I'll respectfully listen to what they say. And I, I really do enjoy hearing what other people say. And regularly the person would turn around and then say to me, and what do you believe? And God has opened a door. Why? Because of respect and because of love. And it's very, very sad when we think that arguing involves uh, being vicious and violent and abusive and wanting to win. Because at the end of the day, we're after a person's heart. The next part of Scripture looks at our behaviour. And it tells us that you need to keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed. When they see what is good, life you live because you belong to Christ. And so there's a very strong sense that... Um, if you're always honest, you never need a good memory. Why? Because uh, when people ask you something, you just tell the honest truth each time rather than trying to do lying. Now, one of the interesting things that Peter also picks up here is the early church was actually facing a lot of suffering and persecution. So yes, the first and highest priority is that we are to love each other and we're to love like Christ. But he also says, as we as Christians, as we love each other, as we love other people, regularly there'll be those who will fight against us why? Just simply because we're Christians. There in uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 17, when he talks about suffering, he says, Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but is raised to life again. In the fifth section of this passage, looks at who Jesus is. He says, now Jesus has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honour next to God with all the angels and authorities and powers and we are called to accept his authority. Why is this put at the end? Because he really wanted to make sure that Christ is our Lord. He's the Lord of our words, the Lord of our thoughts, Lord of our heart, Lord of our soul and Lord of our actions. So what is Peter's precious prayer here? His real desire that we would be loving towards each other, 
that we'd be loving within the church. We see each other as brothers and sisters. That husbands would show honour and love and respect for their wives. That their wives would submit uh, faithfully to their husbands, knowing that part of that submission is that we live in a world of order without chaos. None of these things are easy. And that is where the Holy Spirit impacts our life. We need to be praying, God, may your Holy Spirit change me, mould me to be the person you want me to be. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, this is a fantastic passage by Peter. It reminds us that we are called to love, that love at times is not easy. At times we have to work at things. But Father, change us day by day to love all the people that you bring before us. May we be a gift and something precious in their life. Amen.